Welcome back to This Week in Film, the exciting podcast where we get together every week to discuss the movies we saw. I'm Nick Panunto, joined for the first time by Puberty and Lou Italini and Dan Moran. Hey, everybody. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, thanks for having us on the first super fan edition in the palatial This Week in Film podcast estate. Yeah, man. It's a, uh, listen, I got a big seat to fill for the old Ray Rodominki and Charlie Chester. That's right. Those are the names of two other people on the show that you are now a part of. Yeah! Woo! You guys entered the secret sweepstakes and you've won. We had some scheduling conflicts this week and you guys were gracious enough to have watched the movie and decide to talk to us about it. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yep. Good times. Good times. Well, I'll lead things off this week by talking about a movie I saw called The Final Girls. It's a horror movie slash comedy movie directed by Todd Strauss-Schulsen. <laughs> I, I think you nailed it. Yep. <laughs> I like to get the regional dialect correct. Uh, it came out this past year. Uh, like I said, it's a it's a comedy horror movie, and the idea behind it is uh, the main characters go to see. Um, well, first off, it stars um, Taisa Farmija, who I don't know. I don't know what else she's been in. The Bling Ring. Uh, Malin Ackerson, Ackerman, who was in uh, yeah Watchmen, who was in oh yeah yeah Watchmen. That's right. Uh, Twenty One Dresses also. She was the topless scene in uh, Harold and Kumar. She's oh, yeah. the mm -hmm. and Watchmen, but yes. she's but she's on also, Children's she's on Hospital. Children's Hospital, which is where I know yeah. her from. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Devine from Workaholics is in it. Thomas Middleditch, Pitch Perfect. Um, I did say it correctly. No puberty voice cracks on that pronunciation. I was saying where Adam Devine was from. No voice cracks. <laughs> and anyway, so the Taisa Farmesia and going to roll with that. The dude from. What's the HBO show about computers? Silicon Valley. That's it. Thomas Middleditch and the Taisa girl. Uh, Taisa's mom is dead. And so on the anniversary of her death, they go to see a movie that she was the star of in the 80s. Uh, because that's what you want to do when, when you go see on the anniversary of your mom's death. Anyway, I've gone on too long. They get sucked into the movie in the 80s, which is a neat premise that kids from today are teenagers, teenagers, although they're they're clearly in their 30s. Um, what was the movie where that happened on a, in the TV with John Ritter? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. It was one of, one of Tony's favorite movies. Really? Covered it on the show. Oh. Super fan Dan knows. That movie's amazing. And isn't the guy it's who sells not, in the TV? It's the not amazing. I had to watch it again for the video edition. Available on YouTube. Moving on. And um, it's not a good, it's not good. Isn't the guy that sells him the satellite, uh, the guy, the principal from Ferris Bueller, also known kid toucher? Yep. Yep. Alleged. Alleged known it's kid known toucher. It's known that it's no, alleged. I, I, Allegedly. I think he was convicted. Allegedly. And um, <laughs> Final girls. <laughs> so anyway, they get sucked back into this 80s horror movie. It's just, it's basically a straight up ripoff of uh, Friday the 13th. And the movie starts out great. Like the, the premise is they have to go along with the movie because they keep trying to veer off course where they're like, well, let's just not go there and we won't have to deal with any of this stuff. They're also confused. And the movie just keeps restarting 
on them. So it keeps restarting. So you start getting this Groundhog Day kind of feel to it where you think, oh, they have to go along with the movie and maybe just survive to the end. And they kind of abandon that premise almost immediately. It's pretty disappointing. Um, it's it's pretty just it's just pretty disappointing that they they don't continue with that. Uh, it kind of goes down a bunch of different roads, and I don't, I don't want to spoil spoil it if you're going to go see it. But I think my biggest problem with it is the movie isn't the movie that I wanted. Um, like for 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 instance, I wanted them to continue with this Groundhog Day thing where they have to go along with each major scene in the movie, but they try to change things. And if they, if the person who they're with doesn't get killed, they have to do the scene again because I knew Adam divine was in it. And I just thought he would just keep getting killed over and over again, you know, like in just different, like the kind of a final destination kind of thing where no matter what the killer would get to him. No, no, it's not nothing like that at all. It's just, it's just at, at some point they go, you all have to die in order for us to escape and all of the characters in the movie go okay i guess i guess we'll do and they that give in like that yeah uh-huh. and then they they play into that teenage uh, horror movie where if you have sex with somebody you'll die so they just say stop stop having sex with people and and is, they all do they like, all just stop having sex with each is other that, is that is that part supposed to be funny like uh, it's kind of funny. Well, like okay. so, it's right. like the like, meta take on a horror movie where it's like you. We know we're in a horror movie, so let's stop doing the tropes. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Maybe you need to watch it again, like you're watching Deadpool, but a horror spoof, where they yeah. break the fourth wall. Will that yeah, help? Maybe. It out? I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but I, 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 I wish that it was better than it was. If it had a little more quantum leap to it, like if Sam Beckett leapt into it and he if, was. If and Scott Bakula showed up, that would have been insane because one, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be one hell of a cameo. And two, yeah. C1. Wow. His, his acting career really took a quantum leap out <laughs> to nowhere. Hey, Necessary Roughness was a fantastic football movie. And Star Trek Enterprise was a show. <laughs> Dan liked that one. Yep. He sure did. <laughs> hey, don't Just, laugh away from your mic. Let the people hear it. Uh, <laughs> they they don't go into like any of the things you you think that they're going to go into. For instance, the male lead who's supposed to be like this like a cool jock kind of guy, like he's not a not like a dick or anything. But um he he recently broke up with his with his girlfriend and she forces herself into the story, mm-hmm. but almost immediately she's like, "I'm sorry, I was a terrible person. Let's survive this." And and you're like, well, now I don't really know why you're here, but you're also continue to do annoying things, you know. Like she, you're waiting for her to get killed off and things like that, and and the movie just progresses. And it's wait, did I miss a? Did does everybody get sucked into the movie, or is like you everybody like um, she the, she brought herself into like the movie at some point? Four or five people get sucked oh. into the movie okay. all the all the oh, same time. They're at the movie theater watching this girl's dead mom on screen, and. <laughs> Someone accidentally starts a fire, and the only way to get out is to go through a tear in the movie screen, and that's how they get sucked into the movie world. Oh, yeah. So, oh, because yeah, it's a it's really addressing fire safety. You know, it's about knowing where your fire exits are Mm -hmm. and having fire exits. That's why those exits are at the front of the theater and the back. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because. You never know when the stoner guy is going to drop his vodka and another dude's going to drop a cigarette on it. 
is straight like backyard moonshine vodka too because vodka is not that flammable so i already don't like this premise at all also if they would have went through the back of the screen like um hercules from sandlot you would have just ripped through the movie theater and you wouldn't have gone yeah yeah so anyway nobody goes from the front to the back (laughs) <laughs> no, no one pickled uh, the beast. No, no, no yeah. Ah! <laughs> so you basically watched a nine-minute p- PSA about fire safety. Yeah, and it's it's not bad. It, mm-hmm. It's probably worth watching if you if you catch it on Netflix. Worth a rental. Definitely worth a rental. Um, I just wish that it was better. I was I was just kind of disappointed. Well, <laughs> all right, there we go. Uh, it's tough to talk about a horror movie that that you can't talk about the right. ending or spoilers. Mm-hmm. The other thing I didn't really like about it is the people who are supposed to be in the 80s movie definitely are playing up that it's the 80s, mm-hmm. which is a little kind of takes you out of it. Cool, like, dude. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like radical. Nar- uh, radical, dude. You know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. tubular. Really high hair and a whole yeah. bit. Yeah. So I'm not really going to go into spoilers, but um, I thought that was a fun little extra bit of fun. You really kept me dangling there. I thought I was going to yeah, hear how this movie I'm yeah. never going to watch yeah, ends. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to say fun multiple times. All right. So anyway, Dan, what did you see this week? Well, uh, I guess kind of sticking with the with the horror genre uh, in a way. I, I watched Dark Star, H.R. Giger's World, uh, which was... Speaking a, of back to front. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of back to front. And speaking of phalluses, Dark Star. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> so uh, this is a this is a documentary about H.R. Giger, who was the guy who created the aliens from the Alien movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of went into it expecting, you know, I, I I wanted a reason to watch this this documentary. I was like, oh, I'm going to be on this thing, so let's watch a documentary. And then I realized I unintentionally went double douche and watched a foreign language documentary because <laughs> it's Swiss. <laughs> With English subtitles. That's okay, Dan. <laughs> they make movies in other countries. They do. <laughs> they do. And so Quite prolifically. So, you know, you go in there, you think, okay, like I'm gonna see what's up with the, what's in this guy's head that created the aliens and all this these weird pictures that he creates. Uh-huh. And it really kind of starts off in that vein. Like he he takes you through his yard, which is this big overgrown yard with all kinds of creepy statues in there, and then it takes you up to his front door and you open the door and it's a regular door. But then the second door looks like something from the Aliens movie. And then... He has two front doors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's unclear if it's an actual second front door or if they just put that in there. I'm not sure. So then, you know, and that, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's creepy. And then and then my, one of my notes is, of, of course he has a cat because there's a cat that's there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you go in and you... And you see all kinds of alien things, and there's all kinds of women statues with, with penises. So, so many penises in this guy's house. And at some point... Hey, one he's, of, got, he's got a brand. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really playing it up. So, uh, you know... Or one, curved tubes. Yeah. <laughs> one, yeah, one of his, I think, four ex-wives who, are, who were also assistants at one time try to tell you that his art has nothing to do with phalluses and the phalluses aren't the focal point but it's kind of the only point in all the art so wait all four ex-wives have give testimonies about how it's not phallic uh no one of the oh four. one of them i'm one sorry of the four. Been, yeah yeah I no 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 they all all four of them all four of them uh did kind of you know try to hammer home the hammer home the point that he was just a normal guy 
but obviously one of only one of them stuck with him. So I guess one Did of you, them. What was the name of the document? Oh, Dark Stars. Dark Star, HR yeah. Geeker's World. So uh, after watching it, it uh, you know, I, I, I kind of thought they could have gotten the point across in 30 minutes that they took an hour and 40 minutes to get to. And at some points, I felt like I was watching the Lord of the Rings because there was just a lot of him walking. I did that with our Batman Superman Redux. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you want to talk so, about yeah. it for another ninety minutes? Yeah. I right. do. <laughs> so, but yeah, and so you know, there's different more. shots of him walking and different shots of him signing books and uh, and just his kind of creepy house. But uh, his house, it, it all. It I found out this is d- directed by uh, Belinda Salen, who said she intentionally didn't do like what led up to like most of his career. Like she intentionally wanted to do a documentary about what this guy's like now as an old man. What? Yeah. And like to like try and prove the point that he's just a regular guy. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that's crazy. Yeah. It's weird. So you go into it expecting to see all this, all this shit about aliens. And then it's a footnote. And literally the only person who was interviewed in the entire documentary who was not identified is Ridley Scott. Like, Everybody else's name is up there. All the assistants, some weird metal band guy that's one of his assistants. Uh-huh. Ridley Scott's up there. Name doesn't even show. They yeah. don't even. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And they just, it was that's like. That's insanity. The, yeah. The, it, basically, Aliens was a real, really a footnote, maybe 10 minutes. And it had one quote from Ridley Scott about how they said, I saw this guy's Necronomicon and then I knew I needed him to do the, the Aliens. And that was about it. Yeah, it, you can do a documentary about anybody if you don't include <laughs> yeah. why it's important. Yeah, you're yeah. just yeah. some so, dude. So literally, it's it's a documentary that kind of like reinforces the point that sometimes people can get laid just because they're f- really famous for one thing. Yeah, then that's that's really about it. Because in the end, like he died shortly after this this was filmed, and he basically didn't have any money. And he uh, no way. Yeah, like he the, his current wife who was married to him when he died, just said, you know, he, they were really just kind of scraping, scraping by. So, and his house is kind of ends up, it looks kind of like, like from the outside, you're like, oh man, it's kind of like that city at the end of season one of True Detective, like this weird, creepy thing. It's like, just this really creepy, like overgrown yard. And then you realize it's just an overgrown yard and his house is in the middle of like Zurich. So like the elevated train drives right by this like den of crazy. So like he filled with statues and extra doors. Yeah, exactly. Statues, extra doors, dongs, like all kinds. (laughs) 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 It's it's a dong palace. Yeah. Yeah. And he even has this apparently like, I guess his whole thing, like to kind of sum up what he is, I guess he's just a guy who was traumatized by this event when he was young. Like his sister took him into the basement of this museum when he was like six or something like that and showed him a mummy and it scared him and she made fun of him. And then he took his entire life to try and prove that he wasn't afraid of anything. They would so put like penis on everything. Yeah, now. so now it would be everything. Yeah, so yeah. Mummy so, had no penis. Yeah, so like all his shit is like is his nightmares like he has these nightmares and he draws them so that he's not afraid of them anymore. So all the penises and tortured fetuses and stuff it's all it's all because he's scared of the whole thing and he kind of comes off as they try to make him seem just like a normal guy kind of funny and stuff but he just looks kind of scared all the time and uh yeah and his house ends up being like this kind of creepy neverland ranch because he has this little train 
that he built this train track and it, he <laughs> no he rides it he rides it through <laughs> yeah he rides it through his house oh wait oh he can ride it oh yeah, it's yeah he rides like it's, it's an like indoor train no it's it starts in the house it's like silver spoons like that size <laughs> you know what i mean and he rides it through this creepy maze of like Hello. like blood and gore and, and 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 tits and ass it's just insane and there yeah yeah it it gets real but he's just and a normal gets, guy. Yeah, he but, but no- yeah, yeah. He but he's Who just a see he's a just documentary guy. about normal guy. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like he throughout the documentary he's different, just American like pop culture icons. Like he seems kind of like a creepy Michael Jackson at some point. A creepy whoa, Michael Jackson. All right. even more creepy. <laughs> okay, even more creepy. Uh, that's a good point. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I didn't know cre- Michael Jackson wasn't creepy until right now. He's a, like a murdering uh, OJ Simpson. Yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it's another point. He seems just like an even weirder Napoleon Dynamite because, like, right in the beginning, he shows this skull and he's like, "Hey, this is like the first skull that we ever got." And it was sent to us by this guy, and it really scared me. So I, I put it on a string and walked it around outside to prove I wasn't scared of it. Mm-hmm. So like, so yeah. So you just imagine him like was hanging out the school bus, like I can do whatever I want. You was know? he saying these things in Swiss? Swiss? Yeah, yeah, he was. So maybe there's something in the translation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. like not that I took my skull for a walk in the neighborhood, but. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know yeah, how you spin yeah. that. I don't know exactly how you spin that. But yeah, it's like there were little there were little snippets of him as like a young man. Like he was talking about how like you know he was saying that like dreams like nobody everybody's afraid to draw or depict their dreams or try to talk about them because of their inhibition. So you know uh, you know this this guy was was a little bit off. And yeah. they talk about like. They talk about his first lover. She, they were together for like nine years, and she came from like I hate the word lover. Yeah, lover. That's what I read it on Wikipedia today. My lover. <laughs> yeah, like my lover. Yeah, right. Is that the Will Ferrell <laughs> skit from the nineties? And uh, yeah. Rachel Dratch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lover. My lover joins me in the hot tub. Yeah. But this is Europe, so it's totally cool. Yeah, absolutely. So his first lady, they were together for like nine years, and she ended up killing herself because she was like crazy. All the people. like she was crazy like like Catholic. And then she came to this guy's house where like anything kind of goes, and it was an open relationship. Relationship. So he talks about how like his art couldn't help her. I'm like, I don't know that your art could really help anybody, dude. But they kind of prove that it does because they show him like signing copies of like his this new Alien book, uh-huh. and there's grown men just walking up to him, just like sobbing. And they, this one guy, after he signs the book, calls him master. And there's like Hi. fat guys taking their shirts off and showing him like full back tattoos of like his art. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Well, I don't still don't think dance is healthy. It's not no, helping anybody. No, no, it's not. Yeah. So I guess everybody's got a crew. Is what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. get your this week in film tattoo. Yeah. And come. We'll and come we'll, join us at Filmicon. Yeah. As as long as you call me my, my oh. master, apparently. So yeah, I don't a know. This week long <laughs> celebration. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Show us, show us your, show us your best this week in film tattoo, and you'll win a prize pack. Show us your tattoo of Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, in in the end, I mean, if you're if you're interested in this guy, uh, watch something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, there's you, like you were telling me that you watched it, and I was mm-hmm. saying how like lately I've been wa- trying to watch some documentaries about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I watched the. 
the Terry Gilliam's Man of La Mancha documentary recently, mm-hmm. and I want to watch the documentary about the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, which is supposed to be insane, like just a great- like, a, like like look, the original one? The, no, the one with with Val Kilmer. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the whole thing was a shit show, right? Yeah, like a total yeah. insane, well, in, just insane, insane. You could tell that by watching the Double movie insane. that it was a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the director got kicked off the project and then lived in the woods yeah. outside the movies just mm-hmm. so he could watch what's going on and things like that. So, <laughs> but when you told me you watched an H.R. Giger documentary, I thought it would be about the making of the alien thing, which is really the only thing I know that he made. Yeah. And but yeah. it's famous enough that I know the name of the guy who made it. Yeah. And like, he basically, right, he does know? a lot of art like that. He draws a lot of things that look like aliens. There's a lot of yeah. things that like mesh apparently like humans and machines and, and getting violated with various things. Oh um, yeah, he, yeah. He, he has a, a, a he has niche. A he has a themed existence. He um, goes all and, in uh, on his. And art, I think yeah. I think uh, maybe if if it was a documentary directed by an American, that would have been a much like a much larger focal point. Yeah. Um. And I guess if they didn't intentionally just want to follow him around now that he's an old man, but but yeah, I think there's other, oh, there's yeah. apparently other things out there about. Like his early career and and the is contribution to Alien and stuff like that. So, yeah. But if you're looking for a compelling thing, uh, watch something else about him. Dan <laughs> says <this>. no. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. And then I said it was boring, but then I just talked about it for another 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bad movies are the best ones to talk about. Sometimes you watch a horror movie, you not you can't say anything about. And I, I apologize right. to the H.R. Giger fans out there. The Giger readers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Gigarians? The gig, yeah, that's pretty good. Gigs. I got nothing better. Oh, uh, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, one more thing I want to say about H.R. Yeah, you have H. wrapped Giger. up. Hey, no, <laughs> one more. You've got the light. <laughs> one more. Just I'm not sure if the guy ever bathed. Because oh. his one partner talked about how his bathtub was always full of books. So obviously a bathtub full of books is never full of you. That on a t-shirt. <laughs> a bathtub full of books is never a bathtub full of you. It's yeah. at least a nice little bub. Like quote, yeah, that's quote, great. You know, well, that's anonymous. Pretty, mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That might be my new favorite thing. <laughs> that's really good. Aren't you glad you didn't wrap me up? Yeah. Thanks you back in for that. Thanks for standing your ground. (laughs) Um, When you said that he rode around on a train, I immediately imagined he had a whole outfit for it, complete with hat. The straight time to get on the puffy hat. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I can't hear H.R. Giger without thinking of Matt Matt Gourley, which is the only reason I know. Yeah, me too. Who uh, H.R. Giger is? Because I don't know. I have never seen the Alien movie. If you if you don't know who Matt Gourley is, look him up. He's a great. He's a very, very funny comedian. Lou. Hey. What did you see this week? Oh, I saw the 1989 Peter Weir directed Dead Poet Society. All right. Yeah. Um, Actually, a fun Matt Gourley tie-in here why I watched this movie. Gourley fact. Gourley fact. This is, actually, Matt Gourley's got a great podcast you could go ahead and listen to after you're finished this every week called I Was There Too. It's very good. And a few uh, weeks ago, maybe a month, he interviewed a guy named Kurt Leitner, a guy whose mail I deliver, and uh, and uh, he uh, was an extra in Dead Poet Society, and the whole reason he was a guest on the show was to talk about the making of Dead Poet Society. Lou steals mail and then returns it. 
I'm a, just a mailman. <laughs> <laughs> People give Lou mail and say, can you give this to so-and-so? And Lou says, sure. Right. Anyway, that episode. That was very funny. Yeah. Oh, I were, well, the only reason we're not laughing is because. How true it, it is. We're just not. <laughs> uh, so uh, after that uh, podcast episode, I always knew that I wanted to get back and watch the movie again, having known what I know from the guy who was on the front lines as an extra. So when you said, hey, do you want to do the show? You need to watch a movie. Uh, HBO Now Our came only through. rule. <laughs> HBO Now came through for me. It was sitting right there, <laughs> and I dove right in. Dead Poe Society came out in 1989. Uh, and I remember seeing it as a 10-year-old uh, because that's what you did when you live in Delaware. You saw the movie on the day it opened that was filmed in your state. And watch it once a year. Watch it once a year. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, it's set in 1959 in a uh, boys' boarding school named Welton Academy. Uh, St. Andrew's Academy if you live in Delaware. Was, Kids call it the warehouse. It's, <laughs> and uh, it just it follows the, uh, the bunch of kids starting on day one of school. Um, uh, and they're uh, not hijinks. <laughs> uh, it, the the brief synopsis, synopsis is is that it's a bunch of kids on the first day of school going through a school year, and the English teacher was uh, just retired, and they hired the new one, Robin Williams, as uh, Mr. Keating. And the world is a changing. Oh boy, is it! Mm. Oh boy, is it, Mr. Keating, from day one. Makes kids rip out pages of textbooks, walk around the hallway. They, you know, uh, he just teaches free thinking, and that's it, not the status quo. No, absolutely not. <laughs> not 1959. There are rules on poetry and literature. The movie, uh, uh, you know, picks up some steam when uh, a few of the kids in the class really take to Keating's, uh, you know, freewheeling spirit, and he and they find an old yearbook from when Keating went to Welton Academy, and. In the yearbook, it said he was a member of Dead Poets Society. They confront him and say, Mr. Keating, what's the Dead Poets Society? And uh, very coy, Armin Williams like, well, I doubt they'd like you to know about that, blah, blah, blah. Turns out it was a bunch of kids that, you know, really wanted to get to know each other and get to know their literature and really, uh, what's the way they say it? Take the meaning out of life. And there's an old cave off the, the campus grounds where they would meet up and read poems and play music and all this together. So the kids are inspired. They decide they're going to bring back the Dead Poets Society. The one character uh, by um, um, Robert Sean Leonard, is that his name? Pat Robert? Sean Patrick Flaherty? Robert Sean Leonard. The, uh, <laughs> Not powder. <laughs> <laughs> he he comes back to his dorm room and he sees uh, a book on his desk and he, f he sees that uh, Mr. Keating had dropped off the book they had read from, which is a bunch of uh, Walt Whitman stuff. Uh, so Keating obviously gave his, uh, his blessing to say, go ahead and do this. Here's the book we use. They go out into the cave overnight. They start the Dead Poet Society. Uh, and then the uh, ripple effects go through school, and, um, well, it ends pretty damn sad. Now let's go back. The movie follows pretty much three main stories of, the ch of three of the kids. Robert Sean Leonard's character, whose father is the guy, the dad from 70s show, He's got a cool name. It's like Bojack Horseman, <laughs> but it's no, it's <laughs> Red Red Foreman. That's that's the dude. All I got a character name. names, but he's got yeah. a cool name, uh -huh. and we'll figure it out. And everybody who's listens to this knows it right away. Do you fly, Bobby? <laughs> he is it's a, a RoboCop. He's an extremely, extremely overbearing father who pretty much tells his son Neil, 
exactly what class he's going to take because you are here to do one thing. And when you graduate, then you can make your own decisions. Neil really wants to, like he tells him he has to stop writing for the school paper. And throughout the school year, he wants to act. And it's just a thing I have a problem with because he sees that the local community theater is having auditions for Midsummer Night's Dream. And he flips out in his room. He's like, I really want to do it. I've always wanted to act. And his, his roommate tries to talk him out. Ethan Hawke, a very young Ethan Hawke, his roommate, mm-hmm. tries to talk him Man, out Ethan of it. Ethan Hawke coming up a lot in the show lately. Yeah, Man, exactly. keep yeah. going, Lou. <laughs> Ethan Hawke obviously had been witness to his dad's dressing down, so he's like, you don't want to do that. You'll piss your dad off. And he's like, I just want to do it. Why can't you be on my side? Anyway, he goes out and auditions for his first play ever and gets a major role in it. Yeah. <laughs> the role in that yeah. play. He gets puck. He got it like, yeah. Yeah. went from exactly. zero to 60. Yeah. I feel like that happens to everybody. Well, right. yeah. I did that. Yeah. Well, he's clearly an acting savant, this kid. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's 100%. Mm-hmm. Um the other storyline, because well, they all wrap up at the end. Ethan Hawke, obviously, is a kid. He's like a legacy child. So his brother was a graduate of Welton Academy. So he's got, as they keep telling him, big shoes to fill. And his is... Because uh, they won't buy him new shoes. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's a shy, sheltered... <laughs> That's great watching Uh, that rollover. Oh man! It's like Ethan Hawke is... Uh, plays, he's just, uh, he's uh, quiet in his shell won't be brought out and uh, can't be brought out of it. And Robin Williams, obviously, the teacher who wants everybody to be, you know, stand on their desk and 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 say it, write a poem and recite it and tries to help him break out. And it, he, there is a breakthrough. And then uh, the other... Spoiler alert. Well, there, uh. there are some major spoilers. <laughs> All the stories have now intertwined to the climax of the movie where... Spoiler alert. Yeah. Right before, so when Neil gets the part in the show, he decides this is the time to tell his father. After he has now uh, forged a letter to the headmaster from his father saying, yes, I give him uh, my permission to take part in the show. Uh-huh. He tells him, I got the role in this part. I'm doing it. He says, no, you're not. You're going to leave the show. And he says, no, father, I'm going to do the show. Mm-hmm. So he does the performance for, the, I guess, the entirety of the run. On the last night, he's doing the show, and he can see in the back of the room, um, dad from 70 show is in the back he locks eyes with him he finishes standing ovation the end of the show the father tells him you're you're he's pulling him out of welton academy he's putting him in military school you won't disobey me again uh and then i just remember now when i was 10 years old in the movie theater this is where you find out suicide's a thing because the kid (laughs) he they they pull him out of school he's living with his parents again and they uh the father wakes up to what he hears is a sound we find out that sound was a gunshot because neil had now shot himself uh because you know he's not going to live like that Mm -hmm. um yeah, when I was seven, that was a really powerful scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I didn't like And when I watch it again now, and I know I've seen it since, obviously, when I was 10, but I was like, oh, man, I can just really put that in perspective. I was there at my parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, did I, I don't even think I asked about that after that. And your dad was like, see what theater leads to? You're going to be a mailman. <laughs> Better not be pucked. <laughs> um, uh. At the same time, that happens, which now, obviously, these... Um, because there was a confrontation with uh, Neil's dad with Robin Williams, Mr. Keating, saying, like, you stay away from my son. You're the negative influence on his life. Yeah, they blame Robin Williams for all of it. Right? Everything. And the Dead Poet Society gets, they blame Robin Williams for making these kids do Dead Poet Society. The the suicide uh, all leads to Keating's the problem. All the kids are forced to sign a confession blaming Keating for everything. Uh, the last hammer to fall is a... Uh, 
Is that the one? Last hammer to fall? Sure. Sure. Yeah, it is now. I mean, if you got a bunch of hammers. Yeah, yeah they're all going to fall. Balance precarious. Gonna fall. Uh, Todd Henderson is the last guy, young Ethan Hawke, and he knows he doesn't want to sign it, but they are threatening expulsion if they don't. And I don't know why you would not have Keating just get his stuff before school or after class, but right in the middle of class, Mr. Keating walks through to go get his things, and all the students, and they call back to earlier, stand up on their desk as he's leaving, like, oh, captain, my captain, and <laughs> and there's a with a tear in his eye, he says, thank you, boys, and exits, and... Um, stars and Popeye. Stars and Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that? No, I was before, Popeye was first. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so that's the story. It's... Uh, it's still a powerful story. Uh, I found it still held up more than I thought it would. Uh-huh. It's hard not to hold up when it's set in 1959. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, there, what, nothing about it is dated. And it takes place Except in Magical the, Delaware. And it yeah. takes place entirely in Magical Delaware, yeah. which is great. Except yep. for that modern car that you see drive through in the background in that one scene. A little rando. Yeah. A little, <laughs> there are, More modern kids refer to Delaware as D-dubs. How modern is that? It's right. like the next generation. Like, oh. hey, like kids who called it the warehouse, their kids are now calling it <laughs> D-dubs. Don't oh. do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fun fact uh, for me, I was... Uh, in, in high school, I played jazz band at St. Andrew's School. Mm-hmm. My band band now is played on the green across the street from where they filmed in Newcastle. And in the Everett Theater, where Neil does all of the Midsummer Night's Dream, oh, I just yeah. performed the show there uh, two months ago. So I've performed in all the locations at Dead Poet Society. Only it's one thing left oh, you to do, Lou. <laughs> 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 Complete your Delaware story. But no, so I, I think I explained the movie too long, but that's it was good. I liked it still. Well, at the top of the movie is like it's a weird shoehorn of information where they have this ceremony. Uh, for like the start of the school year, and it's it's a it's clearly a mass, and it gets to a point where the headmaster's like, and as you know, uh, English teacher so and so has resigned and retired, and this year replaced by something Keating, whatever Robin Williams' name is, and you know, and he gives his his like dossier super fast, and Robin Williams stands up, gives a slight nod, and then and then cut. Like, it's like not, it was like, we got this for that information. It's very mm-hmm. possible these kids could have known already their student, their teacher wasn't going to be there. They could have gone to class and then Robin Williams saunters in and does some Aladdin shit. But, <laughs> but like, uh, so it was weird. It was, it was, it was jarring. Genius. Or you could have yeah. just had, hello, I'm the new English teacher, Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Keaton. I'm going to change your life. <laughs> That's a plan. And then, and then you show the principal outside the door going, we'll get you keating keating um so yeah uh, but that's the only like i had that issue because it happens so immediately that i was like oh that's odd that they had to get that information in fun fact about the guy who wrote this movie oh fun fact fun fact tom shulman you may know him as the writer of honey i shrunk the kids what about bob eight heads in a duffel bag This is his only drama. And here's the funny thing about the interesting thing about this year is that Dead Poet Society came out on June 3rd. Honey, I Shrink the Kids came out on June 23rd. The same year. Same month. Just a tour de force by that guy. Tom Schulman wrote two movies that came out the same month. One of them is Rick Moranis' retirement plan. The other is, he got him a couple, uh, actually I believe he did win an Oscar. Uh, so best adapted screenplay, basically. He won the Oscar for that. Oh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You're talking Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> 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 uh, best, oh, oh, no, oh, maybe I'm um, reading that wrong. Best writing screenplay written directly for the screen. No, not adapted. Uh, Best uh, screenplay. Okay. Anyway, right. Tom Schulman. Yeah, tour de force of June of 89. Nice. Good for him. And 
one other fun fact, if you uh, if you listen to that podcast I referred to, the episode with Kurt Leitner on I Was There Too, he explains that on the first day of shooting, all the kids in Keating's class, you know, like at the end of the movie when they, they stand up and say, oh, Captain, my captain, as he's walking out, yeah. some kids don't stand. And that ended up being more of a where you were sitting in class. They filmed the last scene first. So they the director let all of the extras, they three or four were planted in actual seats, but all, all the extras picked their own seats like it was school. Mm-hmm. So you pretty much didn't know you were making the decision about how much screen time you had or what side you were on at the end of the movie on the day first of sh- the first day of shooting. And he sat like first row far right because he figured that's where you'd get the action, but turns out he's not in the, the screen at all. Right. So all right. Dead Poets Society. Yeah, exactly. So Lou hated Dead Poets Society. Hey, don't ever no, watch it. Yeah. Oh, you know it's what terrible. it did remind me of? You guys remember the movie Toy Soldiers? Of yes. course. Every time I see mm-hmm. that movie, it makes me think of that movie, like boarding, boarding school thing. Oh, yeah. Red Dawn in a boarding school. Oh, okay. But oh my god, I have seen that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And now you know him. Yeah, so everybody watch Toy Soldiers. I mean Dead Poet Society. <laughs> All right. But it's not well, the one where Colossus helps him escape from the school, Nick. Not oh right. One. Does Wolverine show up? Mm-mm. No, different. No, that, yeah. that okay. All right. Mm-mm. All right. As you guys may know, we do a segment each week on the show where one of our co hosts asks a question of our audience. Last week it was Ray who said, what's your favorite director's cut of a movie? We had a lot of responses. (laughs) And the one I'm going to read is from Facebook listener. (laughs) Is from Facebook listener Chris Killian. Man, how did you you narrow it down to just one? That's that's a (laughs) lot of work. So many great responses. Uh, And he says his favorite director's cut is the movie Sex Drive. (laughs) Which apparently was... Oh, I know that movie. Good enough though. for the one with the Amish and Seth Green. Mm-hmm. Rump right? Springer. Isn't that it? Right? Right, is it? Rump Springer. Isn't, I don't know, isn't, I never the, girl, saw isn't it. the girl from 30 Rock in there, Katrina Belden, isn't she the lead in that? Mm. Isn't also right. like Kumail Nanjiani in that movie? Am I thinking of another movie, Sex Something? I don't know. I think you're thinking of the hit Sex Something. Yeah. Nah, fair enough. You might be <laughs> Director's thinking- Cut coming out soon. <laughs> you might be thinking of Dark Star, HR Geeker's World. Ah, A lot yes. of penises. Yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> When he's on the train, he's driving sex. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for answering this week's question. Sorry we couldn't get to all of the other ones. Yeah, sorry, guys. I ran ran a little too long on my Dead Poet Society synopsis. Oh, yeah. There's no time. Yeah. Um, So, in order to say thanks for coming on the show, fellas, this week, two questions. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to have Dan's Dastardly Demand. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And lose... Lighthearted lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what's your dastardly demand for this week? <laughs> Going off of off of Lou's toy soldiers and that subsequent discussion, what is a movie that you always get confused with another movie? Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's actually going to be a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So we just heard from Nick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like six of them. His life is a Venn diagram of movies he's seen. They're all one. They're all in the movie. (laughs) All the Ethan Hawke movies. Yeah. He's in all of them. And so, Lou, what's this week's lighthearted question mark? (laughs) Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is more of a question. Mm-hmm. There we are. I uh, I brought up that Last obviously year. Dead Poets Society was uh, filmed in Delaware. It's where I'm from. I live in Newcastle, and I get to as a kid watch the production crew set up and uh, film the few scenes that were in Newcastle. So has anybody obviously uh, 
uh, if you don't if you work in the film industry you don't count does anybody happen to have their hometown um uh, hometown turned into a uh, like a movie set for a bit like, have you ever like got to uh, step out your front door and say oh what are they doing and find out they're filming a movie so great questions guys if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network thanks for tuning in you can find us here every wednesday night at 10 30 if you're interested in listening to our back catalog or just getting to know us better lou let them know where they can find us Absolutely, Nick. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, and ThisWeekInFilmPodcast.com. That's right. And Dan, do you have any plugs this week? I got nothing. Anyone you, anyone special at home you want to give a sweet shout out to? I want to say hello to, to my lovely wife and uh, new daughter, Christina. Yay! Hey, everybody. Woo! And Lou, do you have anything to plug? Oh, I absolutely do, Nick. Uh, guys, you can hear me and some of my pals on our podcast, Elvis End, E-L-V-I-S, comma, End. It's an improv comedy saying podcast. the word and, A-N-D. And, yes. It's an improv comedy podcast based on the stories of Elvis Presley as told by his closest confidants. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, pretty. It is gorgeous. It's, it's, well, it's beautiful, beautifully done, and hilarious. Uh, uh, Kevin Reagan, Brendan Carr, Adam Wahlberg, Matt Casarino, and others that I could just rattle off here, but it's not my show. Elvis N Podcast, find us on all of the similar platforms. Give us a rate, review. Hey, rate us five stars and tell us how much you love Elvis. No, it's a great show. I, I really enjoy listening to it. Uh, there's month, It's monthly episodes and uh, a lot of great sound design. Funny show. And you actually learn a few things about Elvis. Yeah. The, the, be- the beginning of the show, they the narrator of the show gives a synopsis of what this week is about. And he tells like actual facts about Elvis's life. And then when they get into the show, the, the improv of the show is based around those three segments that the, the narrator discusses at the beginning. It's it's really well done. It's very funny, and you should totally check it out. Yeah, right after you listen to This Week in Film Podcast, go ahead and get yourself an episode of Elvis and Dinya. So, yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe both of the shows, and tell your friends. I would like to just give Charlie's book, Bully Zero, a plug. You can find it in all formats, digital and paper. Is that all? That's all of them. <laughs> you can find it you in both find formats. It. You can find it in all of the two formats in nearly every possible location. Uh, so just give that a quick old type of roo. All right.